walking with Jesus in the midst of a hostile and antagonistic world is difficult. To live as Jesus did and to live as he's calling us to live. Remember, we've seen this in 1 Peter, to live Christ-like and cross-shaped lives. We've seen it's costly and it's risky. We are going to feel uh, countless temptations. Temptations to selfishness. Temptations to self-protection. Temptations to give in in order to avoid uh Shame, suffering, loss uh, in the midst of the threats that we hear, the pressure that we feel, and the persecution that we're experiencing for following Jesus in a world that is hostile to him and his people. Uh, up to this point, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, at least recently where we've been in this, uh, this letter, Peter has been uh, talking to these, these churches in modern-day Turkey uh, and been addressing and encouraging them and talking with them about how they should respond in the world when they're facing this persecution, as they're seeking to stand firm in the grace of God. Uh, in our section this morning, um, in the portion of chapter 4 that we're going to be in, he's now turning to instruct the churches and to instruct you and me as we are hearing from uh, God through this letter uh, instructing us on how the church should respond in the church, in the context of the believing community of the people of God in the midst of this persecution we're facing from outside. So if you would look with me uh, in chapter 4 of First Peter, we're going to begin in verse 7 and go down through verse 11. So please follow along with me in your copy of God's Word. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray and ask uh, that Christ would be glorified. Glorified in our study this morning. Glorified through the work you're doing in our lives. Holy Spirit, please use use these words, uh, use these verses uh, in order that Christ may be glorified in us, uh, that God would be glorified in everything through Christ in us, his people. Um, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Peter gives uh, several uh, commands uh, to uh, the, the people in this passage, and that's kind of what I, I want to focus on as we look at this this morning, to see these uh, four things in particular that Peter is calling his people to, 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 to look at. The first one is, is keeping focused. The second one is loving earnestly. The next one is showing hospitality. And the last one is serving one another. And so we'll look at those. So let's look first at the, these instructions that Peter's giving of how we, as God's people, 
should respond in the context of the believing community in the midst of persecution from the outside world. Notice first, he's, he's directing and telling us that we need to keep focused during these times. Look in verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Peter is addressing and saying in the context of facing persecution and attack from outside for following Jesus, it is important for God's people to remain self-controlled and sober-minded. Now, notice why he is uh, he's saying that. The first thing that he tells us is, uh, is that it's because the end of all things is at hand. Uh, now, Peter isn't, uh, isn't necessarily saying that he believes that Jesus is returning tomorrow. Uh, he's uh, focusing on uh, the, the, the whole span of God's redemptive purposes and what he is accomplishing. And Peter is directing the church's attention to realize what time it is in God's redemptive purposes. And seeing that now all of his promises uh, have been fulfilled in Jesus. The promised one has come. He's lived for his people. He has died for his people. He has risen for his people. And now he rules and he reigns on high over all things on behalf of his people. All that we await is the return of Christ to redeem and renew and restore all things and for the judgment to come. Uh, Peter is saying we are in the last times of God's purposes, the last days. Everything has been accomplished up to this point, and now we are just waiting. We even saw that last week as it says that that God is ready to, to judge the living and the dead. Uh, we're in a, a waiting period uh, because all things have been accomplished that is in place in order for God to ultimately fulfill all of his purposes. And now that we find ourselves there in this privileged time of seeing where we are in redemptive history, Things that we remember, Peter's already said that angels long to look into to see this uh, revealed. Now we find ourselves there, and Peter says it's important that we remain self-controlled and sober-minded, focused on God's purposes and His calling for us. And notice why he says that we need to remain self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. God wants us directed to praying, to seeking him for strength, for direction, for encouragement, um, for dependency, but also calling on him to bring about his purposes in the world through his church. Peter says, be focused, be self-controlled so that your mind and your heart can be directed, focused on and acting and responding in light of God's purposes and what he's doing in the world and how he's using you. Uh, if you think about sports teams, uh, their, their goal and their focus is to win championships. They dedicate uh, their, their lives to doing that. It affects how they eat. It affects how they, uh, how they sleep, uh, how they exercise, how they train. Um, and all of those things uh, culminate as they uh, approach the, uh, the championship game in their particular sports. And a lot of times you, can, you hear stories about this, about uh, people who are a part of, of, of professional sports teams who may have incredibly uh, gifted skills, who they can do great, great things, 
but teams end up releasing them. They cut them off of the team. Why? Because they're a distraction in the locker room. They may bring great skills, but their presence and their focus are on other things, and their presence in the locker room and on the team tend to distract others from what's going on, from their focus and from their goal. And so the team focused on the greater purpose gets rid of that person. If this is true for something as as inconsequential as the Super Bowl or as your high school championship, should it not be even more so for the sake of the gospel and for God's purpose in the world that Peter says, focus, remain self-controlled and sober-minded. Put anything away out of your mind and out of your life that distracts you from being able to focus and seek and call upon and pray to our God for him to be at work in the world. It means it causes us to, to think and ask, what, what occupies your mind and your actions? What, what is going on in your life and your heart right now that distracts you from the realities of the redemptive work of God, of your place in his redemptive plan and purposes, of the sure fulfillment of God's purposes in the world? What do you find uh, when, you, uh, when you sit down to pray? What distracts you? What does your mind go to? Uh, where do you run when you're overwhelmed? Is it to God in prayer or is it something else? To distractions on your phone or on the internet or to, uh, uh, to something to numb and your pain? Are you so consumed with, uh, with a sports team or video games or your financial bottom line or your work that when you sit down to spend time with the Lord, you can't focus and draw your attention to praying about the most important things in the world, of directing your heart and your intention and your communication to God. Um, God is calling us to see He has accomplished all things in Jesus His kingdom is coming. Therefore, we can have confidence that prayer works because we're praying to the one who is, who has, and who is fulfilling all of his purposes. Jesus rules and reigns. Let's focus our minds and hearts in prayer, seeking the one who is working through us in the world and put aside these distractions. Put the phone away if it's distracting you. Cut off, get rid of your smartphone. Or the distractions from continuing to binge watch stuff. What does it need to happen for us to be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of seeking God's glory and his kingdom in prayer? Because Jesus gave his life. Life for us. Life for the world. Notice next, it's not just that we should remain focused in the midst of the persecution that uh, that is going on, but also that we should love earnestly. Uh, when uh, Adelaide was little, she uh, loved Beckett hard. I will I will say it that way. Uh, she was so excited to get a little brother that she always wanted to hug him. Um, she uh, loved him intently, intensely, and uh, a lot of times uh, we would have to. She would squeeze him and hold on too long, and we have to tell her to let go, let go. Uh, especially once he started walking and standing on his own, she would go over and hug him and squeeze and she wouldn't let go. And eventually both of them would fall down. 
And so we had to implement a hug and release policy and telling her that she was loving him and hugging him too hard. Well, uh, although that may have been a, a problem for Adelaide as a, a, a toddler, as we think about loving earnestly and loving intensely and loving deeply the people around us, too many times our problem isn't that we're loving them too much. In fact, the problem more often is the case is that we are not loving enough. And Peter here is directing God's people in the midst of these struggles that we are facing that we must love earnestly. Look in verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Peter is saying that we must give top priority and intense dedication to loving our fellow sojourners, to loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. What kind of what does that love look like? How do we love them? Well, look at what he says. Since love covers a multitude of sins. Here, people, Peter is talking about forgiveness, of forgiving the sins and the wrongs that other brothers and sisters in the context of our local churches and communities commit against us, that we're to forgive them. Uh, here, Peter is, uh, is drawing on teaching from the Proverbs that talks about, uh, it's from Proverbs 10, 12, where, uh, where Solomon writes and says that hate uh, stirs up strife, but love covers uh, sins and covers wrongs that are being done. Here, Peter is saying it must not be the case of the people of God that we harbor bitterness and resentment. Uh, there should not and there cannot be ongoing strife, bitterness, and division in the context of God's people. We must love earnestly, overlooking sin, forgiving them. Why? Well, because we've been forgiven. Think about how much and all that Jesus has done for us. That Our problem was so uh, deep and big and insurmountable that it necessitated the death of the perfect Son of God. He had to take on flesh in order to die for us so that we could be redeemed and saved and forgiven. If he would go to that extent, is it not, it's not asking too much from him for us to, in love, forgive others. Uh, because what it shows is just like what Jesus taught is those who, uh, who have been forgiven much, love much. And here in this context, we're seeing that it, it, it definitely is loving uh, Jesus much because he's forgiven us. But here we're seeing Peter begin to communicate that it also involves if we've been forgiven much, then we would love others much and love deeply. Why is this going to be so important in the context of believers and in churches who are struggling in uh, persecution and pressure from outside the church? Because remember that context of the, uh, the persecution that's happening. You are getting attacked and demeaned and reviled and taunted and maligned outside of the church in the world. But so a lot of these people in, their, in, uh, in the broader community, in their workplaces, in their families, and in their homes, the last place that that should be found is when you come to gather with God's people. That should be a place of, uh, of renewal. It should be a place of safety and refuge and encouragement. 
where people are built up, where they're loved, where they're forgiven, where they're accepted because they are in Jesus and we are in Jesus. Peter is saying, and, and we, we should recognize and see it, that our hard hearts of our, 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 our holding on to sins that others have done and refusing to forgive them will jeopardize the health of our churches. It'll jeopardize harbor. If you are holding bitterness against another member of our church, hear what Peter is saying. Love earnestly. In love, overlook. Cover that sin. Forgive it. Put it aside for the sake of the gospel and the mission and our calling in the context of our church. Your your hard-heartedness and your unwillingness to forgive, your unwillingness to love others deeply will jeopardize what we've been called to do. It will jeopardize your ability to stand firm in the grace of God in the midst of persecution. And it'll jeopardize other people in the context of our church, their ability to stand firm in God's grace. Because by your actions, by my actions, when we refuse to forgive others, we are denying the grace of God through the stuff that we are doing. Here, Peter says, look and focus on the cross. Look at what Jesus has done. And earnestly love others for the sake of what Jesus is doing so that we can build up and encourage and care for and love those that Jesus has given his life for. Uh, so we, we, we've seen Peter is calling us to say that we need to keep focused uh, for the sake of what he is doing in the world, that we're to love earnestly. Nextly, we see Peter moves on and he directs us to showing hospitality in verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Uh, here in uh, this context, uh, in uh, the, the world at the time, hospitality, we're not talking about dinner parties. Uh, we're not talking about what uh, hotel industries do. Here, the hospitality that Peter is talking about is uh, providing safety, providing refuge, fellowship care, and encouragement during our time of sojourning in this world as we wait the coming of our true and renewed home here on this earth. We already see and recognize that we are not, we don't belong in this world as it is right now. And Peter is saying we should use all that we have been given, our homes and our lives, to care for and serve others around us. Um, uh, and Peter tells us, and, and he, he points to the fact that our, our, our hearts many times struggle, that we can be tempted to grumble about doing this, that it's not something we necessarily always want to do eagerly. Um, we need to recognize the hospitality that we're being called to, to, to open up our homes and our lives and our hearts for other Christians is going to be inconvenient. It's going to be costly. It's going to cause us to, to and require us to take focus off of ourself and our stuff and put our focus on other people for the sake of the kingdom. I was reading an article uh, this week about uh, persecution that's going on in India. Uh, and there was a, a family, uh, the husband and wife. The husband's name was Kendi, and the, the wife was named Bindi. Uh, uh, or Kende and Bindai. I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. But they were uh, had both come to faith in Jesus in a Hindu-controlled area. 
And the more that they followed Christ and began to share the gospel with others, the more persecution that they experienced in their community. At first, it was just uh, uh, shunning and, and talk and behind their backs. And then as they began to, to, to be taunted more and more, and then threats began to happen, and then uh, persecution physically began to occur as they broke into their homes and, and beat up some of their family members. Uh, but eventually, uh, the threats got worse and worse, and Kende, his life was threatened. And uh, there was a knock at their door. Somebody was pounding on their door one night, uh, and they opened up the door or, or looked out to see uh, armed men. These armed men beat down the door, and Kende yells to his wife to stand firm and hope and trust in Jesus, that even if we have to die, Jesus is worth it. And they drag Kende off. And his wife follows running after him, screaming to, for them not to kill his, her husband, to, to let him go. Um, but this mob is unruly and they drag Kende away and she has to go and find refuge. And it's a fellow member of their church who provides hospitality, harbor and safety for uh, Bendy in the midst of this persecution that's facing. The next morning, they found her husband with his throat slashed and he was dead on the side of the road, killed by this mob because he followed Jesus and proclaimed him as being Lord. Bindi's safety was found in a church home of a family who said, we are going to identify with you and we're going to provide you a harbor and safety, even if it's at a great cost to us, even if it means that we may come into jeopardy because uh, Bindi could not go back to her home any longer. This is what Peter is calling us to, to, to think about how we can care for and serve and provide for others in the midst of our congregations because we all recognize we are going to need fellowship and encouragement in this hostile uh, uh, world that we are following and serving uh, Christ in. So that brings questions for us to begin to think. Is our, our practice and our hearts reflecting the heart of Jesus and his love for his people? Do we see and recognize what we have in the context of our, of our homes and our lives in order to, to, to serve and care for other people? Are you, are you regularly having people into your home? Are you regularly uh, having people into your life? This isn't just about having people over for meals, uh, although it involves that. We draw connection and relationship as we sit around the table together. But you don't need to think I have to serve a four-course meal. Hospitality can look like uh, chicken noodle soup and grilled cheese. It can look like a conversation on your front porch. It can look like uh, a conversation where you ask the question, how are you doing at the end of church? And you actually mean it. And you stick around to listen to the person who is quiet and hurting and grieving. And you care for them and you love them. Um, uh, Peter is calling us to think about the way Christ cares for his church and for us to care in the same way. Causes us to look and ask in the, the midst of our grumbling hearts, are we more focused on our life, maintaining it like it is, the convenience, the routine, the cleanliness of our house and our schedule going the way we want, or are we eager and ready, not grumbling, to open up our hearts and our homes and our lives for the sake of God's people because we recognize we need one another for, uh, in order for us to stand firm in the true grace of God.
So notice, so far we've seen Peter call us to keep focused. Called, see Peter calling us to love earnestly. We see Peter calling us to show hospitality. And lastly, we see Peter calling us to love one I mean, to serve one another. Look in verses 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Notice here what Peter says is that we as God's people through the work of Jesus on our behalf and the pouring out of and giving of his spirit to his people, we have been given gifts. All of us have been given gifts, gifts from God. Uh, here, Peter's not necessarily or specifically talking about uh, material gifts. It's more uh, gifts that are spiritual gifts that are given in the context of the church. Um, uh, but notice that God gives gifts to his people. Why? What is the purpose? Well, look at what Peter says. It's so that you can serve one another. Um, um, uh, serving one another is uh, how they're used rightly. Notice that that's what Peter's saying. When you have been given gifts from God, and if you are using them to serve others, then you are being a good steward of God's grace and his mercy for you. God has given them to you for a purpose. Uh, think uh, if I was to give you three dozen cookies and say, I want you to have these cookies and I want, I'm giving them to you because I want you to go and pass them out and bless other people by handing out these cookies. Uh, but if instead, if you were to just to go back to your house, keep them on your shelf to where they grow stale and you never use them or you, and you forget about them, or you take them home and you eat them all yourself and don't share them with anybody else, you are misusing the gift that I gave you. Although I gave them to you, you're using them for the wrong reasons. You are not being a good steward of the gift that I've given you. And here, Peter is saying the same thing about these gifts that God has given us, that we are to be good stewards of them. And the way that we are good stewards of them is by using them to build up the church, to build up and serve one another, our other fellow sojourners, our, the members of God's church. Notice here, Peter focuses on two particular gifts and contexts of gifts, speaking and serving. Notice uh, as he talks about the speaking, whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God, or as we're speaking, we're directing and pointing people to the truth that God gives. And as we're, as we're serving him, what are we doing? It We're doing it, Peter says, whoever serves by the strength that God supplies. So as we speak, we're directing and pointing people not to our opinions, not to things that come from the world around us, but we are seeking to encourage people from God's words, what he says to build up God's people. Or as we serve, it should be uh, important that people recognize that we are doing this out of the strength that God supplies. Why? Because the end goal is not for our own praise. We're not doing this because we want the church to think much of us. Pastors struggle with this. The, 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 something that I need to constantly be praying about and for for myself is that when I'm getting up to preach and teach on, on Sunday mornings or on this here, that my focus is not on you liking me or you thinking much of me, but that I'm, draw, I'm pointing you to Jesus. 
and that it's from what Jesus says that you're encouraged, not what I say. And that's my goal is to, as I teach the scriptures, hopefully, is to draw out what God is saying to his people in the passage. And that it's not me, but it's him. And what is the, as we serve, that it shouldn't be look at what I can do, look at how much I've done or what I've done for this person or that person, but saying the only reason that I'm able to do this is because of God's strength, that we're seeking and calling upon God to give us the strength to serve, and then we give him all the praise and honor. Why? That's the point. Notice what Peter Peter says. Why are you pointing people to what God says and serving with the strength that God gives in order that in everything he may be glorified through the Lord, through Jesus Christ? That's our purpose. That's why we've been saved. That's our purpose of humanity and the the goal of of restored humanity that we would glorify our God. Even as, as Peter says here, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. God isn't being selfish by directing and calling us to, to, to worship and glorify him. He is the one who is deserving of it. If we, if we rightly saw and, and, and understood who God was, we would not have any problem doing this. Are you obsessed? Am I obsessed with the glory of God and him experiencing worship and honor and praise? If we know Jesus, we should be. If we know Jesus, we should be because we recognize and see who our God is and what he has done for us. We would humbly fall before his feet and recognize the the privilege it is to glorify and praise him by serving and focusing one another. Uh, This would, would, would show us why it's important that we are parts of local churches. You cannot carry this out by yourself. There is no such thing in Scripture as an individualistic, isolated Christian. We are always in the context of community because we live out God's calling corporately and as a part of His body. Because uh, as we 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 think about uh, uh, praying together as God's people, loving one another, you have to have somebody else to love, showing hospitality, serving one another. All is directed to the glory of our God. We, as God's people are uh, living in a world that rejects Jesus. We are going to need to depend upon our God, and we are going to need one another whom God has given us to serve and encourage one another for the sake of his glory. Uh, God here is calling us through Peter, reminding us to keep focused, to love earnestly, to show hospitality, and to serve one another for the glory of God through Jesus and his work through us. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you that you've saved us. We thank you that you've uh, you've saved us into community and into uh, placed us in local churches. We pray that you would work these truths and these callings deep into our hearts. And we would recognize and see the, the, the blessing and the privilege that there is to come to you in prayer the blessings that there are of being able to love others earnestly and deeply, of being able to open up our homes and our lives to other people and being able to serve with the gifts you give us. Help us to grow as uh, selfless uh, believers who reflect Jesus with Christ-like and cross-shaped lives. For your glory, we pray. Amen.